Well, good morning. It's good to see you this morning as we continue looking at the life of David, those words from Psalm 37. Yet to see the righteous forsaken. Let's pray. Father, as we come before you this morning, may we recognize that you are Almighty God. Lord, that you are holy and just. Lord, that you are a God of love and mercy and grace. So we look at your word this morning. May we understand the principles that you have for us. And Lord, may we not leave this place with only knowledge, but Lord, with a there's a challenge in our hearts and lives to obey, to be more like Jesus Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Grace. As we've been singing about this morning, grace is a word that's frequently used. You may hear it in context like this. The ballerina who glides across the stage with grace. Or, heard a lot, the Queen of England passed away. She was known for her elegance and her grace. Or we say grace before a meal. Just a few examples, but we use grace a lot in our lives. We hear the word frequently. And the Bible speaks a lot about grace. Grace can be defined simply as unmerited favor. It is something that is undeserved, it is unearned, it's unable to be repaid. In 2 Samuel chapter 9, as we continue looking at the story of David, we see David displaying amazing grace. Let's begin by just looking at an overview of the story here in 2 Samuel chapter 9. We see that David sought out a descendant of Saul and Jonathan to fulfill his promise to them. In 1 Samuel 20, we see that Jonathan and David had made a covenant together that they would look after each other's families. 1 Samuel 24, remember we looked at the story as David promised that he would take care of Saul's descendants. David had the opportunity to kill Saul and didn't do that. And, and as David went out before Saul and his army after Saul had left the cave and went back down to the army below, Saul said, David, surely you will be king and please watch after my family. So both Saul and Jonathan had talked with David and David determined that he would take care of their family. And he was determined to fulfill that promise. So we pick up the story in 2 Samuel chapter 9. Look at the first three verses. It said, Now David said, Is there still anyone who is left of the house of Saul that I may show kindness to him or show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. So when he had called him to David... The king said to him, Are you Ziba? He said, At your service. Then the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness or the grace of God? And Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. Now you have to understand that, that there were nobody that there was no one that David knew that was a descendant of of Saul and Jonathan that was still living, but he sought out 
to find if there was someone that he didn't know about. And the promise that David had made to Saul and to Jonathan would, would go unnoticed if it wasn't kept, but David's character caused him to seek out descendants of Saul and Jonathan to bless. It would have been so easy just to ignore it. I haven't heard of anyone. I'm not going to fulfill this promise because it's going to take great sacrifice on my part. How many of us have, have made a promise and then when it's hard, we just sort of try to ignore it? But David recognized that he had made a promise to Saul and to Jonathan, and he was going to fulfill that promise. So we see that David brought Mephibosheth to the palace, verses 4 and 5. So the king said to him, said to Ziba, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, indeed, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel of Lodabar. And then King David sent and brought him out of the house of Maker, the son of Amiel, from Lodabar. And so we see that, that Mephibosheth's difficult circumstances are, are described here. He lived in a place called Lodabar. Lodabar means no pasture. It was a barren wasteland. But why was the grandson of the former king living there? He was living there to try to hide out, to go unnoticed. Because what would happen when a new dynasty took, took power, they would kill all of the ones from the former dynasty, from that family of the former king, so that there would be no one from that family that would try to rise up and retake the kingdom. That was very common in the world at that time, in that culture in which they lived. So, so he's hiding out, trying to be unnoticed. But David seeks him out. So we see not only that, but that David provided for Mephibosheth, continuing on in verses 7 and 8. It says, Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face and prostrated himself. Then David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Here is your servant. So David said to him, Do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan your father's sake, and will restore to you all the land of Saul your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. Now you have to imagine what Mephibosheth was thinking when, when they came to his house and said, The king wants to see you. I'm sure Mephibosheth thought, this meeting will not end well. But instead of getting rid of Mephibosheth, exiling him as would have been the nicest, and obviously killing him would have been the common ending of what would have taken place there. Instead of that, David extended grace as he fulfilled his promise to Saul and to Jonathan by taking care of Mephibosheth. We see here a demonstration of grace. David demonstrated grace that was undeserved, it was unearned, and it was unable to be repaid. Go back to verse 3. It says, Then the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness or the grace of God? And Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. Mephibosheth had nothing to offer David. 
He had not done anything to warrant David's blessing, and he would have nothing to give back to the king. It's interesting, as as David and Ziba are having this conversation, David says, so is there anyone from the house of Saul? And you'll notice there that we read in verse 3, Ziba's response, well, there is a son of Jonathan, and he mentions he is lame in his feet. I picture Ziba there saying, okay, David, yeah, there is one still left, but, but you need to know this guy can't do much. But Mephibosheth had nothing to offer, but David demonstrated grace. David was not concerned about what Mephibosheth could give back to him. David was focused on the grace that he could provide for Mephibosheth. And we see that David demonstrated grace that cost him, cost David greatly. Verse 7, So David said to him, Do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan your father's sake, and will restore to you all the land of Saul your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. He gave Mephibosheth all the land that his grandfather, King Saul, owned. Which, by the way, was a lot. I mean, he was the king of the land. He had had land upon land upon land. And David gave that all to Mephibosheth. That was much more valuable than a small place in Lodabar where Mephibosheth had been spending his life. And it also said that he ate at King David's table. And, and you read that, and we may not fully understand if we don't think through this carefully. We may say, oh, yeah, he invited him over for dinner. Well, there's a couple things you need to understand there. First of all, use the term continually. You will eat at my table continually. In other words, you will be eating there regularly every meal. And the idea of eating at the king's table was a place of special honor. It was reserved for the the family and those very honored guests. David was basically saying, Mephibosheth, I'm going to treat you like my family. You are going to come in and you are going to live the rest of your life as if you were my son. David receiving nothing in return, demonstrated amazing grace. But also, in the next verses, we see that David was going to give him servants to take care of his needs. Not only his needs of food and lodging, but now just taking care of all of his new property and and the things that he was given. And so Ziba, that, that guy that was first... Uh, we saw in the first verses the servant of Saul was, was given the responsibility. He and his sons and servants were given the responsibility to, uh, to make sure to take care of all that Mephibosheth now owned. David demonstrated grace. But we see this amazing demonstration of grace as a picture of Christ. David's grace toward Mephibosheth is a picture of Christ's grace towards us. We see that David sought out Mephibosheth. God seeks us. 
In Genesis 3, 8, and 9, we we have the story of of Adam and Eve choosing to disobey God and sin entering into the world. And we see that in the first verses of Genesis chapter 3. But in in chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, we see that, that Adam and Eve are hiding from God because they know they've sinned. But notice what it says in verses 8 and 9. It says, And they, Adam and Eve, heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? By the way, God knew exactly where Adam was. But what was taking place? God was seeking out. Adam and Eve, the ones who had turned their back on him, the ones who had sinned and and broken that relationship with God. And God seeks us. We are sinners. And our sin separates us from a holy God, but God seeks to restore that relationship that he desires to have with us. But we see David's grace was undeserved. God's grace towards us is undeserved also. There is nothing we can do to earn God's grace. Romans 5 and verse 8 says, But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Where do we stand? We stand as sinners, but because of God's love and God's grace. He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. He has shown His grace to us as sinners. We also see David's grace was sacrificial as he gave grace toward Mephibosheth. God's grace is sacrificial toward us. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. God's love caused Him to give so that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. God's sacrificial love in sending His Son. God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, as a sacrifice for our sins. This grace that is undeserved, this grace that cannot be earned, and this grace that cannot be repaid. The question that we ask, must ask ourselves is this. Have we accepted that sacrifice? God's gift of salvation. It's nothing that we deserve. It's nothing that we can earn. And it's nothing we can replay, repay. It is grace. I want you to, to hold that thought for a minute as the story goes on a few chapters later. What happens in the meantime, and over these next few weeks, we're going to be looking at part of these chapters in between, but we're going to skip ahead because Mephibosheth comes back into the story a few chapters later. What's happened is is David has been king, Mephibosheth has been part of his family there, but, but David has a son named Absalom that, that has a basically a coup and and takes over, and instead of, instead of fighting back, David leaves. And he leaves to go back, or to, to go away, so he will not have to fight against his own son. 
And so we, we can pick up the story in chapter 16. And in chapter 16, David and, and his entourage is leaving Jerusalem and, and heading away. And they meet Ziba. Remember Ziba, the servant? And so David meets Ziba in those first two verses, but now in 2 Samuel 16, 3 and 4, they have a conversation. It says, Then the king, David, said, And where is your master's son? And Ziba said to the king, Indeed, he is staying in Jerusalem, for he said, Today the house of Israel will restore the kingdom of my father to me. So the king said to Ziba, Here all that belongs to Mephibosheth is yours. And Ziba said, I humbly bow before you that I may find favor in your sight, my lord, O king. Interesting. David is, is running or is leaving, so he doesn't have to fight his son. And he comes across, Mephibosheth, he comes across Ziba, now Mephibosheth's servant. And so David says, hey, where's Mephibosheth? And, and Ziba says this, he says, well, Mephibosheth is staying because he thinks now that, that you're gone, he will be able to be part of the king's family. He will be restored to his power. He will have his position. And you have to, what would David think at that? This one that he had shown this amazing grace to, this one that he had given and given and given, not expecting anything to be repaid. And here he, he hears that that same person, that Mephibosheth, has turned his back on David and is only focused on himself. No appreciation, no faithfulness to David and his kingdom. Things don't look good. But there's more to the story. We go to chapter 19. So David is left now that in chapter 17 and 18. Absalom has taken the throne, but Absalom is killed. And so David is coming back to Jerusalem. He's sad because his son has died, but he's coming back to take his position as king. And he runs into Mephibosheth. And it's a longer passage. Please bear with me here. Verses 24 through 30 of 2 Samuel 19. It says, Now Mephibosheth, the son of Saul, came down to meet the king. And he, Mephibosheth, had not cared for his feet, nor trimmed his mustache, nor washed his clothes from the day the king departed until the day he returned in peace. So it was when he had come to Jerusalem to meet the king that the king said to him, Why did you not go with me, Mephibosheth? Break there for just a second. I mean, Ziba said that you wanted to stay in Jerusalem. What's the story? Here's Mephibosheth's response, beginning in verse 26. And he, Mephibosheth, answered, My lord, O king, my servant, deceived me. Ziba deceived me. For your servant said, I will saddle a donkey for myself that I may ride in it and go to the king because your servant is lame. And he has slandered your name. Ziba just took off by himself and left Mephibosheth. So he and Ziba has slandered your servant to my lord the king. But my lord the king is like the angel of God. David, you have been like an angel to me. You have taken care of me undeserved but very much appreciated 
You are like the angel of God. Therefore, do what is good in your eyes. For all my father's house were dead, were but dead men before my lord the king. Yet you set your servant among those who eat at your own table. Therefore, what right have I, right, right have I still to cry out any more to the king? David, we were like dead men before you. We have no value. But yet you allowed me to sit at your table. David's response, so the king said to him, why do you speak any more of your matters? I have said, you and Ziba divide the land. Then Mephibosheth said to the king, rather let him take it all, inasmuch as my lord the king has come back in peace to his own house. It's very interesting, a couple things that we need to recognize there. The first one is this, that David offers to split the land. And the Bible never tells the full story. The Bible never describes who was telling the truth. Now, I, I think if you read the passage, and I think most people would agree that uh, Mephibosheth was the one who was telling the truth and, and Ziba was doing things to get his own way. And Mephibosheth said, David, I don't need the land. I'm just glad that you're okay and we can be together again. Now, it's very important to recognize how that reflects David's grace. David's grace to Mephibosheth changed Mephibosheth to be a man of love, forgiveness, and grace. I don't know about you, but if I would have been in Mephibosheth's shoes, I would have said, David, that guy is a liar and a cheat, and you're back on the throne again. You have power. I want you to deal with him. But instead, Mephibosheth said, you know, Ziba can have the land. I'm just glad you're safe. It's amazing when we demonstrate grace. It helps those to whom we demonstrate that grace. It helps them to show grace and forgiveness in their lives. Mephibosheth watched the example of David. And he became a man of grace. Ziba had said in the beginning, hey, Mephibosheth has nothing to offer you. He's lame. But we find out Mephibosheth had a lot to offer. <laughs> and Ziba became the recipient of that grace that Mephibosheth learned to give. So as we close, I want you to think about a couple different things. Do you demonstrate grace? Grace and forgiveness go hand in hand. We have to understand grace is undeserved. It's unearned. It's unable to be repaid. And you say, but they don't deserve my grace. Absolutely, that's correct. They don't. <laughs> it's undeserved. 
but I'm going to get nothing in return. Absolutely, grace is given freely with no expectation. It cannot be repaid. Are we people of grace? It is so easy to say, I'm going to get mine. This is what I want. It's all about me, but David demonstrated it wasn't about him. It was about that person to whom he showed grace. It was about, in that case, Mephibosheth. And if we're like Jesus Christ, if we desire to be more like him, we need to recognize it's not about me. It's about God and it's about others. People of grace. How are you going to demonstrate grace this week? And the harder it is to show, and we all know people in our lives, it's hard to show grace to. Maybe it's that guy at work, or the neighbor, or the relative, or whoever it is. Oh, they don't deserve it. Absolutely, they don't. But we reflect Jesus Christ when we give it grace. And the second thing is this. God gave grace. For by grace are we saved through faith. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. We are saved by faith. We are saved through God's grace. If you're here this morning and you have never come to a place in your life when you have said, Jesus Christ or God, I am a sinner, but I seek your forgiveness. And I accept that forgiveness. I believe you died for me. I ask you to forgive my sins, to come into my life and be my Savior. That's accepting that grace. And that's our only hope. You may be here this morning and you say, you know, I try to be really good. Guess what? Our best can't meet God's standard of perfection because we are all sinners. But God so loved the world that he gave. So I'm going to do something this morning. I'm going to just say a prayer. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you're relying on your own works, or you just haven't thought enough about it to do anything, God says you must come and seek forgiveness. And God offers it freely. I'm going to say a prayer, and if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, but you would like to do that today, just silently. Follow along in the, with those words or silently repeat those words after me. And God says that his grace is sufficient. And his forgiveness is eternal. And our hope is secure. So again, if you've never done that, please just follow along with me with these words. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I don't deserve love and forgiveness. But Lord, I thank you for your grace. Lord, please come into my life. Forgive my sins and be my Savior and Lord.
I thank you for that gift and I accept it from you. In Jesus' name, amen.